60s, there was a teenage rebel from Memphis, Tennessee, who began singing and shaking his way into stardom. Uh -huh. This good-looking young man had pitch black hair, long sideburns, swivel hips, and an incredible voice that captured the heart of America's teenagers. Elvis Presley. He could sing everything from gospel and blues to country and pop. And he had a raw energy that just thrilled audiences and made millions of people by his records. Over time, people began calling Elvis the king of what? The king of rock and roll, that's right. And even decades after his death, millions of people visit his Memphis mansion called Graceland every year, that's right. Some fans of Elvis actually worship the king of rock and roll as a god. Did you know that? They actually worship him as a god. Elvis worship has been reported in New York, Colorado, and Indiana. That's where, who's from? <laughs> Emily's from. Amen. The worshipers of Elvis, they raise their hands. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Oh, they raise their hands, and they chant E-L-V-I-S, E-L-V-I-S. And they even pray to this deceased singer and actor. Many people believe that Elvis watches over them. And if someone reports seeing Elvis Presley, the high priests of the church of the risen Elvis, they hold Elvis worship services. And on the altar, they have a little doll of Elvis. And on that altar, that doll surrounded by candles. And they actually worship a deceased singer. Would you agree with me that it's pretty important to know who you're following? Would you agree with me that it's so important that when you're following, you need to know whom you're following? Amen? Hopefully today, you'll make a good choice. In the first part of John chapter 12, after Lazarus was raised from the dead, those that were closest to the Lord Jesus Christ offered some beautiful expressions of love. Martha worked, Mary worshipped, and Lazarus witnessed. 
Martha worked serving Jesus and the disciples. Martha worshiped, pouring out all she had for the glory of Jesus. And Lazarus witnessed his very life, in effect, was proclaiming, I was dead, but now I live thanks to Jesus. Can you say that today? I was dead, but now thanks to Jesus, I live. That is our witness, friends. Before any of us come to the Lord Jesus by faith, you were dead as a doornail. You had no future. You had no hope. You were a goner. But through faith in Jesus Christ, we can live. Today in John 12, beginning in verse 26, it's the next day. And John tells us about what's called the Lord's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So follow along as I read in John chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. It's the next day, and a great multitude had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And so they took out branches of palm, and they went out to meet him, and they cried out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel! Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on the donkey's colt. And his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of his tomb, raised him from the dead, they bore witness. For this reason, the people also met Jesus because they heard that he had done this miraculous sign. And the Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves, You see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the whole world has gone out after him. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. And then it came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and they asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip came and told him, and, told, and turned to Andrew and Philip, and they told Jesus about these people. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. Say, follow me. Say it louder. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am there, my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my father, will honor. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we are here because we need to learn how to be better followers. Lord, would you show us in the course of this message, in Jesus' name and for your glory, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Friends, it's time to follow the king. Did you hear me? Say amen. amen. It's time to follow the king. But we got to follow him with the right motives, and we got to follow him with the right degree of commitment. Today I'm going to share with you six different groups of followers that are in that passage. And I pray that you're going to make the right choice 
about what kind of follower you want to be. Many in this passage of scripture I just shared with you, they didn't show any real commitment to Christ. For instance, some believe just based on expectation. Some believe just based on expectation. Again, verse 12, for the next day the great multitude had come to the feast, and when they, because they heard that Jesus was coming, they took branches of palm trees, went out to meet him, cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, he's the king of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found out, found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. But his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, they remembered. Thousands upon thousands, multitudes of so-called religious folk were clogging up the streets of the holy city as they came to participate in this Passover feast. Jesus was coming into town. He was mounted up on his donkey colt, and many of the people had come out to meet him. They wanted to see this king that was coming. So I asked myself, did the world finally realize, did they finally come to the conclusion that Jesus was God's son? Did they finally realize that Jesus is king? Did the Jews finally believe that Jesus was their Messiah? Could it be? But expectations are something that never live up to what people expect. Expectations that something marvelous was getting ready to happen created this fever pitch in the streets of Jerusalem. They were shouting, in effect, Praise God, our conquering king has finally arrived to unshackle us from the Roman Empire. But I can tell you that this multitude of thousands of people, they followed because they had the wrong motives. They only believed because they thought they might get something in return. They only believed because they thought they'd get something by believing. How many of you know that many people today claim to follow Jesus in order to get something? Many people today claim to follow Jesus because they think they can get a get-out-of-hell-free card. Many people follow Jesus because they think that they can expect something from him if they'll believe. But we follow Jesus not because of what he's going to do, but because of what he's already done. He's already done far more than I could ever ask or imagine for me. He's already stepped out of the glory of heaven for me. He's already suffered and died so that, so that I might live. He's already suffered and was crucified for my sins. He's already been resurrected from the grave to prove his victory over my death. He's already done far more than I could ever ask him to do. So what more should I expect from him? Some believe based upon expectation. But others understand only in recollection. Verse 16. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified... Then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. It was only after Jesus was resurrected from the grave and then ascended to heaven that the disciples began to get it. 
It was only then that his closest followers began to understand all the things that happened to him and why. Along the way, for some reason, they missed it. They missed the countless scriptures that were being fulfilled in Jesus. They just missed it. But after the resurrection, Jesus' words, Jesus' actions, Jesus' teachings, they began to take on a brand new meaning. All of a sudden, the light went off. And they began to understand. Things began to make a lot more sense. They remembered. They recalled how, how Jesus helped them to understand the kingdom of heaven. They remembered how Jesus helped them to be in a more intimate relationship with God the Father. Just stop and think for a moment. Think about all the events that have happened in your life that led you to this place today. All the mountaintop victories. struggles down in the valley, the pain and the suffering and the trials and the tribulations, the glorious moments of children being born and of weddings, all those things came together. And because of all those, you're here today. You serve a sovereign God, a sovereign God who knows everything and controls everything. He wants you here today. As we grow older, as we grow more mature in our faith, we're able to look back oftentimes and see God's intervention and how God touched our lives, even through the hard times, to bring us where we are right now. But have you ever thought about what God has done to bring you to this point in time? Have you ever said, Lord, everything in my life has brought me to this point. Therefore, like the Apostle Paul said, what do you want me to do next? I'm here because you want me here. What do you want me to do now? What do you want me to do next? While the multitudes believed only in expectation, many of the disciples understood only in recollection. But can I tell you that some believed with very shallow devotion? Verse 17. Therefore the people who were with Jesus when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. Most of all those cheering people that were cheering for Jesus as he came into town on the donkey were only cheering because of this great miracle that Jesus did with Lazarus. That's the only reason they were there. Their commitment lasted just about as long as it took for Jesus to pass by on that road. Shallow devotion. Their adoration of Christ was short-lived and their commitment was shallow. For even in a few short days, not one single member of that cheering mass of thousands of people would do a single thing to stop Jesus from being crucified. 
One minute they're cheering, praise God, our king is here. Shortly thereafter, he's hanging on a cross. He's suffering, and he's dying. And do you think they stepped up for a second to do anything about it? Not one. Not one stepped up to do anything. Likewise, many today, they claim to believe. They claim to believe, and they try to follow Christ Jesus, but you know what? They won't lift a finger to serve him. See, they've been fed something, some wrong information. They believe that a relationship with God through Jesus Christ means that you come to church on Sunday morning. And you ought to be here to worship him on Sunday morning. not just on Sunday morning but every day for the rest of our lives if you're a believer if you're a follower of Jesus he calls you to that to serve some simply come to church because that's how they were raised they come to church because maybe they want to be seen ever met somebody like that before don't tell me. Some people come to church because they feel guilty if they don't. And so they cave in and say, all right, I'll go. I don't want to feel guilty. But simply coming to church without serving the Lord is very shallow devotion. Very shallow devotion. But that's how some people believe. Sadly, some give up in desperation. Look in verse 19. The Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves, you can see, no, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look at the world has gone out after him. These religious leaders were becoming very desperate men. Very desperate. It seemed that Jesus' popularity was skyrocketing through the roof, and the more they tried to stop Jesus, the more his impact increased. The more they tried to stop him, the more popular he became. I've got to tell you, those who oppose the Lord Jesus Christ, they're just spinning their wheels. They're just spinning their wheels. There have been people in centuries past who have set out to discredit Jesus, and they've just ended up bowing before him in worship. They're spinning their wheels. But until this moment, Jesus' hour of sacrifice was a future event. But that's why he came. His crucifixion was why Jesus came. Jesus came to die. Not needlessly, he came to die for all of us. The one who lived out what he commands me and you to do then illustrates a reason why you and I must die. He says, A seed of wheat never produces wheat until it first falls to the ground and is buried and dies. Only when the seed dies will it produce a blade of wheat. It's got to die first. Now, Jesus was referring to himself here. Referring to himself as a seed of wheat. 
And if he didn't die, then he was going to be, get this, if he didn't die, he was going to be all alone. Because none of us would be in heaven without Jesus dying for us. So if he didn't die, he'd be all alone. He'd be up there in the glories of heaven all by himself. There wouldn't be any saved sinners to share in his glory. But if he died to provide a way of salvation, then that means we could be up there with him and share in the glory of God. I think the same thing applies to me and you as followers. If we refuse to be seeds of wheat, falling to the ground and dying, if we won't sacrifice our own precious time, if we won't risk being rejected, if we won't do what Jesus asks us to do, if we aren't willing to give up everything, say everything, if we aren't willing to give up everything for Christ's sake, then we will be alone. Take nobody with you. So if we wish to be fruitful, we got to follow our precious Lord Jesus by becoming a dying seed. Then we too can bring forth much fruit. You know, so many people think that the important things in our life are things like food and clothes and riches and pleasure. And they live for these things. But by living this way, they fail to realize that the things of earth are just temporary. That the things of earth is temporary, but the soul, now the soul is eternal. How many of you know that this body you're wearing is just a garment? Your body is not who you are. Your soul is who you are. This body is just but a tent, as Paul says. Housing your soul. Housing the Holy Spirit of God. And your soul will live forever. Somewhere. Amen. This body is going to die. But your soul will live forever. But if I count all things for Christ. If I count all things lost for Christ Jesus. If I humbly serve him. Giving up the prices of men. Then I'll keep my life eternal given my life for him. I followed in his footsteps. I placed all my faith in him. Bottom line is we have to have our priorities in order. We have to have our priorities in order. And if we choose to love our lives more, then you'll lose the very lives that you're trying to save. So how do I serve? How do I follow Jesus the way he expects me to? I've shared this with so many people. How do I do it? Well, you've got to make some radical lifestyle changes. If you recognize that you're not the follower you want to be, then you know what it's time for? It's time for you to go commando. You've got to go crazy. You've got to make some radical lifestyle changes. You've got to turn around your life. You've got to repent. Stop doing what you've been doing and start doing what God wants you to do. Radical lifestyle. So what are your goals? What are your interests? What are your hobbies? What are your career choices? What are your habits? 
Do they honor God? Do they put a smile on the face of God? Do they bless God? To follow Jesus means going the way that he went when he was here. Not the way of earthly power and earthly honor, but the way of humility, even the way of death. That's what that means, to follow Jesus. And when Jesus was here, he was absolutely committed to doing everything for God's glory. So should we. When we truly choose to follow him, we too will be committed to live life for God's glory. It doesn't mean that we won't have any fun. How many of you know that serving God is fun? How many of you know that serving God is fun? How many of you know that serving God can bring you great joy? Everything we do should be for the glory of God. Jesus says when, when we honor, when we serve him, his Father in heaven will honor us. Are you willing to follow Jesus wherever he leads? A man named John Vianney says, when we do something that we don't want to do, when we do something that we dislike, when we do something that's like way out of our comfort zone for the glory of God, what we ought to say is this. My God, I don't really want to do this. God, I really dislike doing this. God, this is so far out of my comfort zone, you can't even imagine. However, I offer you this in honor of the moment you died for me. Did y'all hear that? It's a profound quote. I don't do it for me. I do it in honor of what you did for me. Brothers and sisters, our Wednesday night kids ministry is upon us again. This year, like I mentioned, we're going to call it CIA, Christians in Action. I just am fool enough to believe that the children of our church and the children of our community are worth our time and they're worth our effort. I believe that the children's ministry at Bethel Baptist Church is anointed by God himself. I believe that so much that I can almost hear God shouting out to his believers who are here today, Bethel Baptist Church, prepare yourself for my children. Because they're coming. Therefore, not only are we offering an invitation to be eternally saved today, not only are we offering an invitation for you to become a true Christ follower, we're also offering an invitation for you to lose yourself. Amen? An invitation for you to lose yourself. Listen to the rest of verse 12, of chapter 12. In verse 25, Jesus said, he who loves his life will lose it, 
And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. If anyone serves me, let them follow me. And where he is, there his servant will be also. If anyone serves Jesus, him will his father honor. I trust that every member of our church family believes in our kids. I pray every member of our church family believes in our kids, so I'm asking you, if you're willing, to serve in some capacity. To serve in some capacity in Christians in Action, the children's ministry, the children's arm of our church. We won't leave you high and dry. We won't put you in a place that you're uncomfortable in. And we won't ask you to do anything you don't want to do. All we're asking you to do is follow Jesus. All we're asking you to do is follow your Lord in humble service. You see, CIA is Jesus' work. The children of this community is Jesus' work. That is, that you'll die to self. It's Jesus' work if you'll sacrifice yourself for the good of our children. So today, not only are we offering an invitation for you to see what the Word of God says about your own eternal salvation, for the members of this church, we also have a sign-up sheet that I'm going to place on this table. And I'm going to ask you in the course of this invitation to come up and sign your name as a commitment
stand. Let's sing, just as I am.